Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. International weekend, a time for hands across the sea and hands across the sofa for the remote and the Pro Plus. Uh, looking at the laptop for a dodgy stream of Jamaica versus, ah, uh, who knows. Either way, Rudolph Austin, the stage is yours. Hello there, welcome to Podcast 52. With me in the studio, Michael. Hello. Moscow. Hello there. And Oddie. Hello. Uh, issue one of our magazine is sold out, isn't it? Sold out, all gone. Well, there's still a few available to buy online, but we're not realistically going to go, go and try and flog them at the whole game for the sake of uh, about 10 magazines. So yeah, if you want one of the uh, handful of remaining copies, do get that online at thesquareball.net, and you can get subscriptions on there too. The digital will always be available. Indeed. Um, time issue, capsules for all time. Issue two will be available for which game, gents? Not Forest. Nottingham Forest. <laughs> they don't like that, do they? Good. Not Forest. Not Forest. Forest it is. <laughs> yes. Excellent, we look forward to that. Right, part one, we better talk very, very slowly during white watching because we only have one game to discuss in this fortnight. But, but six, what a game it was. Six goals. Well, six. let's talk about each goal for at least <laughs> two minutes. Seven goals, really. Okay, um, as a man who can no longer go to football at Ellen Road, tell me about Leeds 3, Blackburn 3 on Saturday the 1st of September. We were a bit shit. They were... A bit better. Juve can't track back. No, so you need, you're going to have to slow down. Sorry. We can't deal with this in bullet points. We've got 15, <laughs> 15 minutes to fill. So, uh, yeah, so, okay, let, let's start at the start then. What happened? How, how did we how did we go behind in such a pathetic fashion? It was all Juve's fault. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was definitely causing problems on the right-hand side because there was a massive, massive hole where there should have been a covering winger. The distinction I make is I think Peltier made mistakes playing as a right-back, but they were brought about because the right winger wasn't asked about doing anything. So it was kind of, both goals he kind of looked around every time his first thought was, where the hell was Juve? And Juve was just up the other end of the pitch, literally looking in the other direction and whistling. Was it a bit reminiscent of the old Ian Hart, Harry Kuehl problem, where Kuehl used to go dancing off up the wing and leave Hart horribly exposed? I don't know if we just got spoiled, because Snodgrass and Gradle over the years have spent as much time defending as they did attacking. Juve doesn't seem interested in that. 
even when Warnock was basically pulled him after the second goal over to the other wing and McCormack was going over to him saying, the boss is telling you to go over there. He was just kind of hanging around up the middle where nobody would see him and just kind of kept going, raising his hand going, yeah, I'll, I'll go over there in a minute. I'll stay here for a bit away from the dugout where I won't get yelled at. I don't know. It was, it was a coward is what I was calling him at that point. <laughs> in fairness to Pelche, he is a lot quicker than Ian Hart. So it's not quite comparable. I don't. I don't think this will be a regular problem with Peltier because I think Ian Hart, unless it had someone else playing his position, almost like you saw in the Paralympics, they had a guide. That's what. That's almost what. That's almost what Ian Hart needed at times was another another man stood right next to him to do his job. <laughs> um, whereas Peltier, I think, I think can be a decent right back. Yeah, he'll just have to get used to not having any help for as long as Chief is playing right wing, and once he's got that message, he'll probably be able to factor it into his uh, into the way he plays. But yeah. then, hey, you've got a tap in, so everything's forgiven. <laughs> well, I mean, we we did start this game absolutely terribly, and at at two nil, I would have probably taken two nil. I would have thought, yep, let's get this game out of the way. Let's before this gets embarrassing. And I was I was already thinking back to Warnock's comments about you won't see a Leeds team of mine play like this again. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. really? it looks to be happening. To be honest, Neil. <laughs> to be fair, you could argue that this is not his fully formed Leeds team, couldn't you? Because he hasn't got the players in that he so desperately wants and needs. Fairly confident that when he said that to Nigel Clough, he was he was he had his a fat checkbook in the back pocket. It's like you'll never see this from a Leeds team again because I'm spending all this money. And <laughs> yeah, no. Begging Juve to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, well, he has stayed. Now. I the, the one um, benefit from his first half performance, I hope, was since he signed the contract after the game, they swiftly just knocked a zero off that, off his weekly wage and still got him to sign it. I'll tell you what, this game will have shown Ken Bates though. Um, in the case of Jordan Rhodes, is that spending money on footballers is a waste of time. Well, he was marked out of it by uh, by an academy trainee in Tom Lee. That to me sounds like empirical evidence that we should never buy footballers never again mm-hmm. no just bring them through and they spent 8 million we like you know we're going to talk about him later austin cheap good roads yeah. expensive bad yeah and the thing you got to remember you could almost plot that on a graph couldn't you mm-hmm. we're paying neil redfern to bring these guys through at thorpe arch Who? why do we Sorry. need to pay anybody else who's that the uh, the who's manager neil, Red- neil redfern who's that you remember redders oh sorry <laughs> redders. sorry i know <laughs> I, u- I used his Sunday name for a moment there. <laughs> Talk to me about Ross McCormack because that was a sweet strike. What a finish that was. Man on fire. I thought the build-up play was spectacular as well. Oh, well how, done, well oh what fun well we're going to have this season. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, the, Becky Hill didn't even get the tap on, did he? He just lent into the defender and he just flew over their heads. And then, yeah, I, I somehow knew as McCormack ran through, I thought... It would be really lovely if he did like a scissor kick volley and it just looped over the keeper now. It's exactly what he did. It's me and Ross, mind control. You're like like a a latter-day Derren Brown, just (laughs) using the sheer power of thought. More of a Derek Okora. Yeah. (laughs) He's Scouse, isn't he, Derek? Yes, he is, very much so. Some spirits in here! (laughs) Awful programme. It was a good goal. I enjoyed that goal tremendously. I it, think I enjoyed Beckio's a bit more. And thank God we kept him, because he seems not only to be scoring goals, but he's creating half of them as well. Well, he's the only one who can and will. He's He's got the, the licence and the ability, so just let him trot on and get on with it. Nice goal from Beckio. We enjoyed that. Well, what I liked about Beckio's was it he did it all wrong, but he'd sort of, he was standing still and the ball was dropping and any sensible person would have volleyed it. But instead, he just sort of watched it down and then just kind of like, 
and nutted it over the line. It wasn't a header, it was a headbutt. I think I think I like I'm endeared towards Becchio because he has that sort of Bambi on ice quality about a lot of what he does. He, well, that's his he, celebration. Oh, he, shanked, he shanked it, hasn't he? Again, oh, he's miscontrolled it. Oh, he's kicked it, kicked it away from himself. But somehow, he, you know, keeps scoring and it keeps happening for him. Robinson did us a favour on that because he should really have saved that. Yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty much straight at him. But I think he must have been thinking the same. It's like, oh, he's going to volley this when it drops, and instead. He just nutted it and then went and... Uh, that doesn't excuse him letting it in. No, it doesn't. But when does it ever <laughs> excuse leads, Robinson? So he did let it in. Yeah, well, what was his reception like? Uh, good. A very good one, yeah. I didn't go to his wedding. Boom, boom. Hey, eh? I think, he, I, before I got into the ground, but I think he apparently did a, a sneaky little lead salute as well. Yeah, he did, yeah. And then sneakily let in three goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've not touched on um, Juve's goal, speaking of... Uh, we mentioned it was a tapping. Speaking of beautiful goals, though. <laughs> that was uh, one straight from the... 18 aside games you used to have at the, in the playground. <laughs> Straight from League One, was it? It's the flair we signed him for. Their equalising goal, quite a good goal really, wasn't it? But annoying to let it in once we'd gone in front. I'll tell you what was annoying, on the Football League show, this was the goal they picked out to talk about when it was a bit of a jammy back heel, whereas McCormack's yeah. was a glorious effort. And they didn't even mention it. But it, that's because everyone's against us and we're Leeds. Yeah. There's no way. And they didn't show the uh, disallowed goal. But it didn't happen, either. did it? If, if it was, yeah, it's never happened. Well, I saw the... Um... LUTV highlights and they didn't show Juve missing an absolute sitter at the end possibly like the most exciting mm. moment of the last 10 minutes of the game no I didn't show it so we had a disallowed goal from it was Pierce wasn't it yeah. he got disallowed purely because of the referee's spiteful hate field home life and they <laughs> um and then Juve was through on goal and had a, a good chance and put it over purely because of his, uh, well, I don't know why. He was a dire referee it. though as well, wasn't he? He was an he awful, was awful man. I've probably struggled to say he cost us because I think he was on balance probably as bad for both sides. Mm. He was just wrong. Well, the build, up, the build up to their goal, didn't the striker back into Tom Lee's out on the wing when he went for a header? It was clearly a free kick towards and he gave it the other way. Oh yeah, it should never have been a free kick to yeah. them. The one that they scored the equaliser from. Yeah, he missed several handballs as well. I seem to remember one particular one near the end of the game where a Blackburn player was kind of on all fours at the edge of the box and handballed it. It's not bloody basketball referee. Well, if Kevin Friend can referee the Community Shield, then we don't. It goes to show that referees can get anywhere, doesn't it? Really? We don't have this guy's name, do we? We haven't looked it up. But he should. I think he should remain nameless. He doesn't deserve to be named. <laughs> I quite enjoyed in this game as well the uh, the cop singing Keen Out. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, the um, the Blackburn fans at the start started singing, uh, "Have you ever won the Premier League?" That really annoyed you, didn't it? No, we, we we've run we've won the real league there. Yeah, twice. Well, not not since the days when three times even. anyway. And they've not won it for almost twenty years. I don't know what they've got to boast about. We've won the Premier League. Well, Have you ever yeah, won the Fairs Cup? <laughs> I got a swimming certificate up yours. <laughs> Well, I think we did quite well though. I think we managed to talk for about at least 10 minutes about that game. So well done, chaps, everyone. You Give make yourself- it sound like we're filling time. We're not. We're fascinating people and, and this it, is an interesting podcast. And it was a really good game. I've, I've not enjoyed a game that much for quite a while. Yeah, it seems like you think it's a tactic to distract us from the takeover. Put, put good football matches on and nobody yeah. will care. Yeah, it just showed really that we don't need to play good football to still entertain. Because we, we're still fairly direct but you know it's good the ball pinging around the box hitting a million people on the way into the net excellent <laughs> pinball football good to watch yeah. Yeah. and the atmosphere's coming back as well cops singing again we've, we've always responded though to like that up and at them sort of attitude and that's one yeah. thing we are definitely going to get with Colin isn't it unless he leaves 
On to the next part of the Square Ball podcast. This is part two. This is when we do the news. So we are now 100 days into and beyond, actually, the takeover. Yeah, and the rest. Of uh, Leeds United Football Club. Is there anything new? What's happening? Somebody tell me. We seem to be stuck. It's like a standoff. In a Western, perhaps. A Clint Eastwood Western. Like all Westerns, yeah. standing all people. Somebody, somebody in that case just needs to shoot baits and then we can all go home. You said that with your head in your hands, which <laughs> strikes me that you're a little bit exasperated by the whole thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm in two minds. Part of me would like it all to be over so that we can move on. Part of me would still quite like Bates to do something to cock it up so we can justifiably hunt him down like a dog. Okay. Because, um, as we just mentioned, the, the, the current atmosphere at Elland Road is quite calm, and I think it's all because nobody wants to particularly rock the boat and upset Ken when he's on the verge of leaving. Apart from, it seems, Ken, who in his programme notes for the Blackburn game, again... He's the only one who mentioned the takeover all, all that day. I think everyone was like turning up, saying, "Oh, well, we'll go and watch the Blackburn game. We'll watch a game of football. See what's in the uh, the four pound match day brochure." And uh, all you've got is him basically slagging off all and sundry, including that ridiculous list of demands for. Well, first of all, he's banging on about any incoming bidders have to protect his effing legacy. And then what legacies? Legacies of bloody cream facade on the east stand. And then there was the, and loads of debt the again. Wonderful irony where he said that uh, we have to worry because a lot of clubs have been taken over by people who don't necessarily have uh, the team's best interests at heart, and uh, they end up in a much worse position than where they started. Uh, um, yes, Leeds United being one for the last seven years. And then he had that stupid list of demands where he was saying that anybody wanting to buy the club has to say who they are, say how much money they've got, share their business because what plan. Because what we really don't want is some anonymous offshore trust owning us, say, um, and you never find out who's behind it. And It's very much a, a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do approach that Bates takes. Exactly. Which, and I think it has always taken. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, what's worrying is that some people seem to sort of buy into it. I mean, people think, us. Oh, good point, that, Ken. No, we, yeah. don't, we don't want that. <laughs> you should get to look over their business plan, Ken, because it's got everything to do with you, what the people who are buying it off you are going to do with it. Yeah, you stump up the money, then you've got the right to do what you want, really. Yeah. You're not that we he, want to just have anybody do what we want. It's, it's preying on our fears there, isn't it? And it's another way of shoehorning yeah. so like Ridsdale and Portsmouth. And I, I've heard a rumour as well, these new guys... Foreigners. <laughs> just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. You can't trust him, can you? Saying that he wants to see their business plan before he'll sell the club to them, just so he can look it over. Is that, it is it going to be a case of sell off loads of players in order to fund some building shit? Well, I hope so because that's the best way to go. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's just the sort of business plan I like. I was thinking about Ken Bates. Then you were saying uh, everyone's kind of on tenterhooks, not wanting mm. to set him off, you know, by chanting to just like let's just make sure he stay quiet and signs like. Your granddad's at a Christmas party. You don't, you don't want to mention anything about anybody multicultural just in case he launches into a racist uh, rant. For yeah. Not that you're racist, did, Ken. I'm not saying you're racist. I'm did just... you watch that programme the other night? What channel was it on? Uh, the BB... Uh, oh, uh, it was on the Sky. <laughs> Sky. <laughs> I think the sensible part of me wants to take over to be completed and a happy, brave new world uh, with Warnock and the, the new owners. There is still part of me that wants it all to go tits up just so I can yell at a horrible old goat again. I miss the days of yelling at that horrible old goat. But you know, if this gets him out of our life, even if he waltzes out with 50 million quid, it means he's gone. And it's not our 50 million quid, is it? Let's and he won't it. spend it anyway. Because he, oh, he'll have nowhere to build stuff. 
He'll just have it. He'll just have his flat in Monaco, and he'll be trying to put extensions on it. And they'll be saying, "No, Ken, that's that's other people's that's other people's flat you're building into." I don't, I don't care. care. Do it. Make Do it. it. Make it cream. He's going to end up making his balcony look like the shambles in York with a big <laughs> a big overhang on it, just so we can build it. Hotel. Put bunk bunk beds in it. We can sell it. It wouldn't actually be the worst idea he'd ever had, because at least people would want to stay in the south of France. Not in Bates Hotel. <laughs> no. So while all this is going on, we got no money. No. We got no transfers. Yeah, well, it brings us horribly onto those dreaded things, emergency loans. It's and not it, transfers anymore, is it? No, it would appear that we have, don't even have the uh, the pennies to rub together to get emergency loans, and despite the fact that we're supposed to be working on deals for a variety of players. So can somebody unpick this mess for me and make it make sense to me? What is we have tried to do, by the looks of it, is to get Sean Derry, a uh, good player, has played for us in the past, Loved. was very good. Loved, was in the Premiership, played quite a number of games last year, we did quite well. Mm-hmm. And Jermaine Genius, <laughs> you know, not, not maybe, a, He's, wouldn't, have been our, wouldn't have been our first choice, but has played for England in the Premiership, better than anything else we have, probably. Yes. But instead, do you remember um, a man that Sheffield United had Probably going back four or five years now. Um, he's been in in hiding since. Can I just say? <laughs> no, I don't. Before you even say his name, he's a, a he's a Premier League ace, according to the Yorkshire Evening Post, which has taken some inspiration from the old club call headlines. <laughs> you think who who could it be? Is it? Hang on a second. Premier League ace. Is it Tevez? <laughs> is it? Could it be? Could it be? We're getting Aguero. No, it's uh, Michael Tong. I, we can't sign him because I don't know how to say his name. I want to say it Tong, but I know it's Tong. And people who pronounce Tung Tong bother me. So I've got no hope with this guy. It's a Lancastrian thing, that, isn't it, as well? They do that over well, the that hills. That doesn't help either. Tong. No. They say yeah. Tong, don't they? Mm. He was all right for Sheffield United back in the day, but he's not really played any games since he left there. Yeah. It was a bit like Michael Brown. If you said, stop there then, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Just that seven or eight years ago, he'd have been good signing in this league. Not so much now. I just worry why he's not gone anywhere. And he's been on loan a couple of places short term and they've not taken him. And I doubt it's because Stoke want to keep him. And he's no. mates with Danny Pugh. So disrupt uh, oh come on, boss. Get Danny in the team. Come me and Danny. <laughs> the That's what team. you want. Yeah. Pair of us. We we always work well together. We Clogging bring around. We bring out the best in each other. <laughs> it's with a centre midfield Stoke never had. <laughs> but then you've got I mean, there's the story that uh Duncan Ken Bates Castles has put out about um <laughs> Neil Warnock being ready to walk over the emergency loans fiasco. It's a rumour that's been didn't particularly need Duncan Castles to give a, a gloss of, of truth on because um, the word that he wasn't happy. I mean, well, I mean, Colin, the words out of Colin's own mouth where he was asked by Eddie Gray after the Blackburn games, like, oh, are you excited about getting some players in from the emergency loan market? And he just went, don't hold your breath. He's not the son of a guy who feels as if he's getting the, the full backing of his uh, chairman and board. And to think, right, how about Jermaine Jenis? He played for England once, probably, and he's about the best we'll get. How much did he want? All right, no, never mind. Right, Sean Derry, good mate of mine. Like uh, like Paddy Kenny, we can get him on a, a, a decent wage as a favour. How, how about him? No, do, do it for now. Fuck's sake. All right, well, there's only... Flicking through his address book. Hmm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guess to the back. Morgan. Morgan, is he still <laughs> is he still playing? Finds it finds a dusty page that's fallen out of the middle somewhere right at the back. Yeah. Oh that la- Tongi. 
Tongi's still still going. Can I can I have can I ring Tongi? Like, not, not on a work phone. <laughs> In your own time. Talk to me about Mamade Sadibi. What a player. Now here we're talking. Now we're talking about is he, is he a, Hang on a sec, is he a Premier League ace? He is. He's another Premier League ace, also from Stoke. He's had only a few Life-threatening injuries? <laughs> Life-threatening injuries. <laughs> he's not, I don't know whether he's the same Achilles, but either way, he's broken an Achilles twice and also dislocated a kneecap. Just stick Kisnobo <laughs> up front. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very much a, the attacking version of Kisnobo. He's never scored many goals in his career. He's played for Gillingham and Stoke, and now he's dead. <laughs> and is, we want him. You think we, Tony Pulis has just gone, I sold Danny Pugh to him. <laughs> just get rid of him. Hi, Neil. I'm happy to help any way I can. Crouchy? No. <laughs> we do need to say, though, we knew this would happen. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as people got injured from our very thin squad, we've got nothing. Yeah. You look like Green was obviously injured straight away. Now Norris is injured. And we you look around now and think, ah. Now I've got the solution. I've got, I've got the solution. It's fine. Take a leaf out of Stuart Pearce's book and stick <laughs> Tom Lee's in midfield, just like he did for the England under-21s. It was only for about 20 minutes, though, wasn't it? And the biggest story is um, Lee's England honours. Yeah, well done. Salute. He, he, he almost looked not miserable to be brought <laughs> onto the pitch. You can imagine him taking his cap home and putting it on the mantelpiece and just sighing at it. Yeah. It was odd, though, because when, when they brought him on, I was listening to it, and the, the commentator said, bringing him on, he's going to come on in midfield. And I thought, no, he's got this wrong. He's just not done his research. And then, and then he was kind of playing a... A deep midfield role. How did he look there? Or sound um, there? The whole England team was awful, actually, oh, in, that, okay. in that second half. So he did. He seemed to do all right. Well, that's, that's strange, is that? I've never, never known the case, <laughs> is it? But Stuart Pearce is a, a genius, probably. So there was him, there was Lees for the England under-21s, and A.D. White was captain of the Ireland under-21s. That probably gave him more pleasure than uh, Tom Lees took in his debut. Another boys game I believe you watched, Michael. Um, a, a little bit of it, yeah. But I, the stream I was watching that on was clearly being run by an Italian because he switched it off when Ireland scored the fourth goal. Sorry, you, hang on a second. Let me double-check this. You were watching an in, illegal internet stream, Italian, of young boys. Yes. That's so fine. What, you recently married, you say? Straight from the monastery. <laughs> yep, yep. Did the pixelised representation of A.D. White look like he was playing well? I couldn't really tell who was who. It was that It was that blocky. <laughs> a bit like playing sensible <laughs> soccer. Yeah, it was... It was just sort of green blobs against blue blobs. This internet's not all it's cracked up to be. I say we close it. <laughs> what else have we got? Do you remember last year when we had that, that brawl in the tunnel and that scumbag Jouf was involved? We're, oh, we're now, de- bloody despicable character. We're is. now being fined for something he caused. <laughs> what I, playing against which us. is slightly odd. Yeah. What I like about this is that Leeds United have decided not to have a hearing where presumably they could put their side of the story and maybe have keep, the fine keep Juve out. It was that bastard Juve. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'll turn up in his gold car in a white suit, spit at the judge. <laughs> not, that, not that it's a legal thing. Well, no, because he, he would be fighting against us. It would be us against Juve. It'll be, it'll be indiscriminate phlegm. Spitting at Warnock in the, uh, in the <laughs> FA inquiry room. So, yeah, that's that must have been awkward. Well, as long, as long as, you know, it sounds like there's been handshakes all around at, at Thorpe Arch. Ross and him are, are good mates now. Maybe not so well with Peltier, but, yeah. you know, I'm sure they'll patch that up. Well, uh, on the uh, Dirty Leeds theme, it is good to notice, who picked up on this random stat, by the way, that Leeds have committed more fouls than any other club in the Championship so far this season. That was me. I just spotted it on a 
it was on News Now link of some random stats of our season. It's funny because Brown's barely been playing. Badge of honour or shame? Shameful. Disgusting. He did also say, I can't remember the stats now, but um, Austin has had a lot of shots for us. Yeah, he's, he does seem to love it. And you've got to bear in mind that the um, how many of those fouls were actually right, because a lot of those will have been given by the referee in the Blackburn game who did not have a clue what he was doing. <laughs> so we could probably cross off 20% of those. And then we're uh, are we the cleanest team in the division? I think we are. We so win a fair play award. Yes, well done, Neil Warnock. For, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's turning things around. Something that's going to confuse me greatly now when I put this piece of information out, uh, there is a match between the Leeds Legends and Castleford Tigers. That's this coming Sunday in a charity match. What sport are they playing? <laughs> they're, they're playing football. I, I just happened to look this up because I live in Pontefract and drive past a banner that someone's put up on the roadside for this. So I looked up... Um, Looked up this game, and yeah, it's Leeds Legends playing Castleford Tigers, but at football, because I think they might get absolutely taken apart if it was rugby. <laughs> there was, I think it should play rugby in the first half and football in the second half. To, should we completely steal something that uh, Danny Baker did on the radio in about 1993? When Masters tournaments started, they went through the programme for one of those, and uh, they named the players who were playing, and afterwards they read out the slogan, which was, Once a Master, Always a master. And when you look at this um, Leeds yeah. Legends 11... I'll be honest, it's a fairly mixed bag. Do you want to read out the legends who are playing for Leeds? Well, the ones, the one I've picked out uh, is Clive Whitehart. Once a legend, always a legend. Jason Blunt. Legend. <laughs> it's a bit like the Darren Huckabee thing as well when he went to America in the... Oh, yeah, the greatest player English the soccer Britain. legend. Scored yeah. the greatest goal of all time. But the most pleasing aspect of this is that... Um, Grayson and Snod, well, both Snoddins are playing in this, which will annoy Huddersfield fans greatly. <laughs> that their that their uh, management team have got leads in their hearts. I really hope. Of, uh, please tell me Huddersfield have got a game that day, and they're just <laughs> they're just knocking it on the head to go play for Leeds Legends. So, sorry, we've had the call. Jason Blunt. Sorry, Jason Legend Blunt uh, wants us in the team, so we we got to go. We're busy. Um, also playing. Other legend, wow, legendary status. John Styles. I've, by the way, only written down the ones here of names I recognise. There was some on the list who I've quite literally never heard of. <laughs> Goodness me, John Styles more recognised as something of a comedian than a footballer, really. Even when he was on the pitch. Hey. Uh, didn't he go to Vancouver Whitecaps as well, just on that theme that we've been sort of uh, speaking about? I'm uh, not certain he might have done. Okay, maybe. maybe. Also playing uh, Neil the Skull Aspen. Uh, Lee Sharp. Legend. Gary McAllister. Yeah, Bonafide legend. Yeah, Ari, uh, Ari? <laughs> Ari? Ari. Ari, Andy Ritchie. Yeah, he's, he's a sort of a legend in his own right. I mean, you know, in his he own time. He was good for us. He was, yeah. he was a decent good. footballer. Yeah. Hang on a second. <laughs> Redders. Redders plays. No, Look, he never, he's never, he seems to muscle in on these games, does yeah. Redders. He never played for us. <laughs> and the PTA meeting favourite, Paul Butler. <laughs> the legendary <laughs> Paul Butler. I hope he's captain. Was anything proved in that court case? Don't I don't know. Well, it, it doesn't he, deser- matter he deserves it for his fat Paul Weller look that he <laughs> <Yeah>. knows. <laughs> I never he accused him of anything on this cover. Uh-huh. Where is this match taking place? At Castleford Tigers. Okay. Which uh, is in Castleford. Is it going to be on a football pitch or are they going to use the rugby markings? I, I believe it's a rugby pitch. Yeah, sir, this Sunday. And it's £5 for adults, £2.50 for kids. But I haven't written the charity down, so it could well be going to, uh, going, going to support... Do it for Redders. Baby killers. It's taking a dark turn. Right, talk to me about Billy Painter. Well, speaking of legends, I was amazed when I looked in the 
we're just looking on Google News for Leeds News this morning, and the source I saw the source first, and it said it was a Doncaster Evening Star, and then I saw the headline was um, "Predator is Big Handful." I was like, now why would a story with that headline from the Doncaster Evening Star, "Predator is Big Handful," Doncaster Evening Star, is turned up in a Leeds news search? No, surely not. But yes, surely yes. Billy Painter is a massive force in League One, says Rob Jones, a defender that knows the league inside and out. Yeah, he's got a, he got a real Predators goal against Yeovil, and he really deserved it. So it seems like uh, he's now, they're trying to rebrand Barn Door <laughs> as the Predator. Oh, God. What's the world coming to? No offence, Billy. I mean, you lovely chap. The, the, the Predator. Um, it's it's a local news item, so inevitably Liverpudlian painter also boasts the stereotypical scouse wit and likes to rub it in should he get topside of anybody in training. So that's never. Yeah. He's a character, said Jones, and you can tell that he wants to do well this year. He's vastly experienced, has got an awful lot of goals at this level. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy will tell you himself how he wants to be successful. Uh, we, we asked him that ourselves, yeah. didn't we? Um, 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 I just want to. Uh, Jamie Bakuma uh, has, has seen clearly seen the uh, the pictures of him modelling our shirt as well. <laughs> and it, he 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 could be massive for us. <laughs> it's a fat jive, and I'm still laughing. Yeah, well, Macoom goes on. He had a fantastic season, which I think sums up Billy Painter's entire career in football. He That's had season. one fantastic season. <laughs> And did well at Swindon and earned his move to Leeds. I think he was unlucky at Leeds, says McComb, who obviously didn't pay attention. A stopped um, clock. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, when he moves, when he gets his move to uh, United States and follows in Darren Huckabee's footsteps, it's like we understand they called you the Predator. Have you seen the program we have over here to to catch <laughs> to catch a predator? <laughs> Is that a knock at the doorbell? <laughs> what, what what were your plans here tonight? <laughs> The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. So it's been an international week, which is why we rattled on about the Blackburn game for so long at the start of the podcast. Bring um, back League One. No international breaks in that. Well, rarely. And you, and you get the bonus of the JPT as well. Much better. Loads. And you get the Football League show all to yourself. Yes, you do. Once in a while. No, because they never put Leeds as the main game on. Even when we were in League One, they always just passed us over. You, you don't get the, the full studio effect, though. You just get... Manish in somewhere he was cr- oh, the- he was at Crew I think I don't really? know why I'm, st- I don't know why I'm sent- watching the football league show we're not even on it they sent him out <laughs> of the studio yeah when it when it's released only, from his bunker when there's no championship they just sort of go ah just just film it I remember when that was first launched and somebody said it looked like he was uh, adrift in it late at night in like a closed police station. <laughs> <laughs> Still looks like that with them. Um, Steve Claridge is like the the earnest duty officer. <laughs> But yeah, so internet, I mean, that's why I ended up watching bloody Jamaica USA because I was like, uh, well, I'd heard that Rodolfo had had a, a beastie performance and I thought I wanted to see him getting in the faces of a few Yanks and I was not disappointed. It was, um, it was great and it was good as well because when you've only got one Leeds player on the pitch, you can concentrate on just watching that one player. Whether it's when you're watching a Leeds game and there's at least 11 of them, It's it can be distracting. You, you just don't know who to look at most. <laughs> Whereas with this, it was fairly easy just to uh, to concentrate on Rudolph and see... Uh, it was easy when we had Shane Higgs. <laughs> just gaze at his beautiful visage. And so, yeah, and we don't really have many 
internationals anymore. Not like the old days. No, we used to have lots, didn't we? Well, I'll tell you what, first of all, let's get um, Amitai Winehouse, writer for the square ball uh, on the phone. He sat up and watched all these games between the US and Jamaica, didn't he? And uh, give us a Rudolph report. So, uh, Amitai, are you there on the line? Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Talk to me about Rudolph Austin then. Right, you, well, did, did you not stay up and watch this till silly o'clock? Yeah, well, I've done that twice now in the last week. I've seen him play against the United States. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's actually like this massive new centre midfielder we've got. And he's, he's, he's pretty good, uh, really. He spent Friday pulverising the United States. It was, it was actually really interesting to watch because basically against an ostensibly Premier League standard uh, strike force, the United States didn't actually get like a look in, apart from an early goal. And on, he also scored a free kick. But yesterday was actually more interesting, even though he wasn't actually very good and Jamaica lost. It was more interesting because it showed where else he can play on the pitch. Go on. Well, basically... You have our attention. <laughs> the thing is, uh, Jamaica were clearly playing for a draw yesterday and Austin was told to sit kind of in an attacking midfield position in the hope that if they broke, he could use um, his power and pace to kind of break towards the US goal and the thing is that because they didn't have any possession in the first half, like whatsoever, he was completely and utterly useless. Like he just he touched the ball once, and that was to give away a free kick. And in fact, he actually gave away the free kick that led to the um, the goal, but won it for the United States. Then after the goal went in, that's when he came into the game because he was being played, like I say, in an advanced position, and they used him like all the time. He he essentially played a role very similar to like Yaya Torre plays for Man City. And, uh, Goodness me, that's that's quite a comparison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously not as good as Yaya Torre because Yaya Torre is a player who played for Barcelona and they're pretty good at playing football and we are not very good at playing football right now. But he played like a bad Yaya Torre, which is quite a compliment <laughs> because Yaya Torre is a very good player. I had the good sense not to watch the first game live. Instead, you've got a download of it. And he was... Absolutely amazing. What I would dispute slightly that he was up against a Premier League midfield because who is it? Beckerman that was playing for the United States who had the dreadlocks. To be fair, it wasn't the midfield that I was impressed with, but okay. the, the but Dempsey and Donovan. Well, yeah, them too. That Beckerman guy, I think, was supposed to be like their Lothar Mateus, and he he was one of the worst players I've ever seen. And it seemed like after twenty minutes, they identified that guy's rubbish, and they just sent Austin over basically to ruin his life and career, which he successfully did in that in the first game, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, in that, if I remember right from the Friday game, every time the ball went up in the air, he just seemed to kind of maul him and kind of grapple him out of the way, which I imagine Warnock's taught him over the last three months. It's funny that he gave away the free kick last night because he won both free kicks. Yeah, that yeah. Won the Jamaica, won Jamaica the game. Yeah, that was... I, I, the second one especially was quite... Because he, he seems to do this quite well because he's big. I almost get this sense that he kind of fools referees into thinking that he doesn't go down very easily. I mean, I'm not saying he does. But it probably means that if he does go down, we're more likely to get a free kick because it seems like it's impossible to tackle him. He spent most of that game getting the ball and just racing at the uh, the United States players until they were able to overcome their fear and actually try and do something about it. It worked. Yeah, very much so. I mean, like, last night, sadly, the thing with Jamaica was, I think because the US scored within, about, I think it was like three minutes on Friday, or so, it was very quick anyway, um, They, I think they were expecting another early goal. Whereas last night they actually they they found that the US couldn't shoot, and I think they hit the post something like three times in the first 
like half an hour or something like that. They had six shots in the first half an hour and three of them hit the post. And the Jamaican keeper was also making like a couple of really quite good saves. So essentially, what, what I, my, my thought behind Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And it was, it's quite possible that the manager sent out this team with the belief that because the U.S. would get an early goal, they'd then be able to turn it around quickly and then go get the equaliser that would, that would put them through in the group. And because the U.S. didn't actually score to the 54th minute, it meant Austin only had like, what, like uh, 35 minutes to stamp his authority on the game, which wasn't long enough. Do you think, how many um, shots do you think he's going to take against Howard for the, in the Everton game? Oh, so many. Like, the, th- the thing is, there was one moment um, in the second half last night when, after, after the US had scored, when Jamaica won a throw in and, and the American coverage was covering some sort of foul that had taken place. And just suddenly the camera cut because Austin had taken a shot from about 40 yards out that only just was only just saved by Howard, which was, like, ridiculous. Was it, pow- was it powered by a sheer fury? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I've never seen someone hit the ball so well from, like, a complete standing start. We should actually employ a tactic which is based around giving Austin the ball in ridiculous areas and just asking him to do... Because chances are, as long as the opposition goalkeeper is one-tenth of a Rehubka, then someone will get onto some of these shots and score. I mean, it happened against Shrewsbury... Do you think that's what? Um, do you think if Warnock saw these games, what is, what's he going to do with him on Saturday? I think he'll put him into special teams. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, think, you, I think I think you're confusing USA and Jamaica. Oh, not again. <laughs> I, I genuinely think like if Warnock was to watch these games, he might reconsider where we play Austin. I mean, the sad thing is we don't have another like player who can sit in front of the defence, and it really comes down to what you want to see, I suppose, because you could see him contributing a lot of goals, but he'd be kind of 
first of all, I don't think Norris could sit in the same way that Austin does. And secondly, I think it would lead to a lot more goals conceded. So it it really depends. It was ridiculous yesterday because there were periods when in, in that like 35 minutes when Jamaica were trying to get an equaliser, when he'd lose the ball in the opposition half. And I was thinking to myself, oh, he's completely out of position here. Like the US can break. And then all of a sudden, you just kind of see number 17 like running up the pitch at a pace that's completely unimaginable, just catching up with play. Like you'd see him clattered in the other half of the pitch and he'd still somehow make it back and win the ball. It's just, he's really, really good at playing football and it's very strange. (laughs) He seems like a natural athlete. It's like, gone are the days of Michael Brown. Shades of Billy Painter. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, Billy, to be fair, Billy Painter does have shades of a natural athlete, a dart player, but... (laughs) Just thinking. All right, all important question then, Amatai, before we uh, boot you off. Give him a ranking out of 10 for the two games. Uh, I think on Friday, well, he was far and away the best player on the pitch, so it's like a 9 out of 10 or something like that. Although I'm very optimistic with my rankings. Yesterday, like he was very anonymous for the first half, so it's kind of more like a 6. It's an av- It was an average performance yesterday. Right, cheers then. Thank you very much for uh, giving us the lowdown on that, Amatai. No worries. Take care. We'll speak to you soon. All right, see you. Bye. And there he goes. Uh, Amatai Winehouse, thanks for taking part in the podcast. Right then, gents, let's talk about Rudolph. It's nice to have an international in our team who's quite good. It makes a nice change, doesn't it? I think the last time I I sort of got involved in watching a game I didn't care about in Austin style was Max Gradle um, in the African Cup of Nations, even though at that point he wasn't actually playing for us anymore. But I was just fascinated. Um, I think there was a game on when I got home from work and it was about halfway through and it just occurred to me, I was like, I wonder if Max Gradle's playing. I saw the team lineup, and it was Drogba and Gradle. You can get involved in appreciating a Leeds player in a different way. And certainly watching Rudolph playing for Jamaica gave me a different view of uh, just how much like um, Yaya Toure he really is. <laughs> exactly like is the answer. Well, it'd be nice to see his name uh, carved up there, painted on the internationals board at Ellen Road. Because uh, it's probably been quite sparse and empty in recent years. We thought it was going to be ro- the Robbie Rogers was going to have to. Do you think if he'd have played for the USA while he was at Leeds, but he still might if he comes back from Stevenage, injured at Stevenage already, by the way, he's got a hamstring injury, um, <laughs> that they would have had to actually just carve in the Robbie Rogers.com slash international career. Is, is literally one game enough to get you on the internationals board yeah I think so so Trezor, so Trezor Candle's on it yes he will be won't he did he actually play for uh... he, he, had, he played one game for uh, <laughs> it was for one the... of the Congos wasn't it I'm not sure which one <laughs> it's the Democratic Republic of Congo the DRC as they're also known I would actually like to go and um, have a look at the the board and see Trezor Candle's name there alongside <laughs> Billy <laughs> Bremner yeah, yeah Jack Jackie Charlton, Charlton. Yeah. <laughs> all the greats TK20 <laughs> maybe that's what they put for that as well <laughs> Um, his is possibly the uh, the low light of the internationals in in recent years, but we have had quite a few. And I also, it's an interesting thing. I'd, I I always enjoy watching Leeds players when they're internationals, particularly when we had some good ones, particularly around the living the dream era. But it's never quite the same, is it? You can't feel the same love for the team, and it never quite felt well, right, did it? It adds an extra edge where you're just rooting for that one player. And we we put out on Twitter and Facebook for people to talk about memories of Leeds players. Um, playing for the country and somebody it was um, Peter Chapman I wonder who, who uh, picked up on Lee Chapman I wonder what the connection is uh, um, between that memory playing for England B alongside Nigel Clough and I always remember that game 
because it wasn't just Lee Chapman. It was against Iceland and it was, it was 1991. So it was the season before we won the league and it was Chapman, Batty, I think Dorigo was in the team and possibly Hodge before he ah, signed seems for to us. Ring a bell, yeah. Did it take place at Sheffield Wednesday? It was some odd, yeah. odd place. And it was before, um, obviously Batty broke through, but we were expecting, there was a lot of noise for Leeds players to get in the team. And that was the one time that they all sort of got their dues um, internationally, apart from Graham Taylor, who pathologically hated John Lukic and wouldn't pick him. But yeah, the, and I, I remember having a poster of Lee Chapman in an England kit on my wall being tackled by a, an Iceland player and just thinking yes chappy for England Andy Carroll is just a poor man's Lee Chapman Lee, Lee Chapman is light years ahead of uh, Andy Carroll you don't get England B anymore do you you don't know no because no. no one could be asked really well it became I mean Lee Chapman I'm sure played well for England B um, and still never made it to the the full team and then the classic one was always Matt Letizia who scored a hat-trick for the England B was the best player in the Premier League and Glenn Hoddle was no not interested frankly uh, so Chappie didn't get into the team under Taylor Batty did but that was him playing right back is what I always remember of that era and just almost being as, uh, as a, a young lad as I think I was being angry whenever I saw the England team. Why is Taylor putting Batty at right back again? Admittedly, Howard Wilkinson did it now and then, but he could do what he liked. And yeah, Batty at right back was, I, I sometimes wonder if, if he missed that penalty against Argentina deliberately as revenge. Play me at right back, will you? Have this. There you go. Kevin Keegan backed him to score it, didn't he? It's lovely. The famous bit of, of commentary. That's one of, um, I bet Batty's dad was going, he won't bloody score. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly what Batty's dad did do. You know, he phoned him straight afterwards. I knew and, you'd miss. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I knew you. Thanks, Dad. I doubt Batty was that bothered. I did you always that. feel a slight sense of unease when Howard Wilkinson was caretaker manager of England? I wanted him to do well. But feared that he might not. Yeah, which, yeah. which he did not. Well, it always, it always felt temporary, though, didn't it? It was never, it was never one of those cases where you thought if he does well, he'll get the job permanently. And I think he, his, um, his attitude towards it was very much. He just went back into his PE teacher's mode and was like a supply teacher. Turned <laughs> up and was like patches now, on his elbows. Yeah. Now I don't know, I don't know any of you. Now I don't, so I don't know your particular skills, but I know what I'm good at. So we're going to try and do that and uh, and see if we we can make something uh, if we can make a 2 0 defeat you're all going France. on a five mile run yeah oh, that would have been, <laughs> with oh, bags of sugar strapped to your ankles can you imagine him turning up trying to be caretaker boss of them today I mean that team I look back at the, the team that he was caretaker manager of and it had players of the calibre of uh, Andy Sinton involved who I imagine if he sent off on a five mile run probably would have done it but he's not going to turn up and send was Andy Sinton still in the England squad at that time yeah well he, he did it twice uh, 1999 <laughs> Andy Sinton was there in 1999. Yeah, he can't have been. He bloody was. There were some decent players. Around Do you want him. to step out bloody side? Andy Sinton was in the England squad at football. At football. <laughs> <laughs> His players from uh, Thorparch were like the last time we had loads of internationals because it used to be under O'Leary that an international weekend would come round, and he used to sit there going, "I don't know where they've all gone." He'd, he'd, he'd come out with an interview going, all oh, my babies have gone. And Thorpe Arch would be an empty place. And then he would moan about it because he'd always lose the next game. And he'd like, oh, well, I had no time to work with them. They're all rubbish anyway without my guiding hand to help them. Yeah, so because you, you didn't just have, you had Bowyer and Woodgate sometimes in the England team. 
Martin when they were allowed. Martin sitting on the bench. I'm sorry. Getting grumpy. Steven Gerrard. And um, not that we've got long and bitter memories at all. No, clearly not. (laughs) It's on a slightly different subject. We mentioned John Terry there. Um, We mentioned John Terry on TV last week, and Izzy, my eldest daughter, just started going, "We hate Chelsea. We hate Chelsea." Under her breath. Really, really proud You've of. Really indoctrinated her. Well, congratulations, yeah. well done. Brings a tear to your eye. It's funny how you can sort of pathologically switch as well um, with regards to when players leave us. All of a sudden, you can hate them. I mean, I mentioned Ferdinand before. Like, it's now really, really funny to think that he's been completely omitted from the England squad. All right, it's at the behest of tossbag John Terry, but never mind. Um, and you think about Harry Kewell, named Australia's greatest ever footballer, and you think, nah, the man's a toss. What about Paul O'Con? <laughs> I, rem- I, remember, I remember watching the game as a student when Australia beat England and being oddly proud that that Kewell had yeah yeah it completely was, torn us was apart. Was that the game that happened at West Ham? I think it yeah, was. It was yeah. yeah, Francis Jeffers scored for England. Strange, <laughs> strange times. And you mock me for claiming Andy <laughs> Sinton was still in the England team. It was, it was a funny emotion, wasn't it? You remember when uh, David Healy scored against England for mm. Northern Ireland? That now that was a funny thing because I think deep down quite a lot of Leeds fans quite enjoyed that. Simon Cook mentioned that on Twitter yeah. as well, just as a great moment for a, a Leeds player at international. You're almost level. wishing him on to get a goal. Yeah, because practice. in many ways you, you you like him in preference to a lot of the tossers who pull on the England shirt. But then that it slightly turned with Healy when he started scoring many many more goals for Northern Ireland than he ever did for Leeds, and he kind of come back and we're like, oh yeah, been away scoring goals again, have we? You going to do any of this weekend? No, no. Right, wing, get on the wing. <laughs> yeah, get out on the bloody wing and stay there. Well, his goal against England came from the wing practically. He was cutting inside and volleying and dribbling and shooting and heading and all sorts of stuff. It was that good a goal as I remember it. Do you remember the uh, the whole Brolin, Darlene, Brolin? I mean, it's a great goal and it's a very memorable moment in European football, but you can't help but watch that and think, oh, we signed him a couple of years after that. Why did we do that for? He was good then. <laughs> yeah, going back to the theme of players who were good years before we signed them. Yeah, he, he was moderate pastor intake at that point. He hadn't moved on to Palmer's other delightful hams and cheeses. That's one of my... Um, one of my f- favourite moments of um, Barry Davies' commentary that has just swooped back into my mind while watching U- UEFA Cup match Palmer were playing, and I can't remember who against, but he just went, here we are in uh, in Palmer, home of uh, many magnificent hams and delicious cheeses. <laughs> I used to dislike Barry Davies, but looking back, he was quite good. It's particularly some of his shouting. The one where Burkamp brought it down, I think it was in a oh, World Cup yeah. semi-final, he went, Burkamp! <laughs> and the whole, the whole system... <clears throat> Broke more or less because of his voice. We never he was always a... in Motti's shadow, though, wasn't he? He did the commentary on actual soccer as well, which was a really dodgy PC game where they had really like funny spherical bodies. And because it, it was early days of PC commentary, you used to say the same thing over and over <laughs> again. And clearly, if you press the shoot button anywhere on the pitch, even if you were clearing, he'd go Shera <laughs> and do a big. <laughs> I'm sure you can probably download it somewhere for free now. Uh, how did you feel when McAllister slotted that penalty uh, wide? Or saved, wasn't it, in 1996? I wanted to know if it was the Leeds curse that had moved the ball. And then he left in shame as well. He, he didn't dare show his face back at Elland Road after that. It was, oh, God. It was sent to Coventry in every sense. Quite literally. Words. Quite literally sent to Coventry. Yeah, it was odd because um, I always liked McAllister when he was a Leeds player and um, manager. And, I mean, I know it's not an international match. I suppose it technically was. But when he was winning the UEFA Cup for Liverpool... There was still a part of me that was like, Leeds, get in there. It, but it's just reflected reflected glory is what we're looking at. That's one for Leeds. <laughs> like West, West, West Ham do this and annoy me with all their 
West School Ham of Science. The World Cup mm. business. Jackie Charlton won the World Cup. 1966, crying on the pitch. He scored the hat-trick, didn't he? <laughs> I rem- remember. In the version I watched, yes, I had the Barry Davies commentary on it. <laughs> Every time Jeff Hurst shouts, Charlton! Charlton J! <laughs> he didn't win a cap, did he, until he was well into his 30s, Jackie Charlton? Still hope for Billy. <laughs> well, bloody hell, if Ricketts can play for England, so can he. Mm. Oh yeah, there's. We had a near miss getting him on the. Well, no, we didn't have a near miss getting him on the internationals board. <laughs> it was a gaping miss, wasn't it? Um, but um, that uh, there's. Um, I liked um, Cappy underscore Steve's um, contributions from Twitter from that era where he talks about um, England v Scotland and Hunter tackling Bremner when Bremner literally somersaults and landed in a heap. <laughs> Ref books Hunter with Bremner laughing his head off behind the referee. And that was there was. Um, England v Scotland was a little bit of Leeds v Leeds as well with uh, at that era. I think Oddie had a half and half scarf when he used to go. What when I ripped up Wembley in seventy seven? Yes, well, yeah, single handedly. It's a riot. I'll put on a, a CU Jimmy hat and go and pr- pretend to be Scottish. But yeah, so we're, we're not really we don't really stock. Well, I mean, we've just out of League One. We're, we're not going to stock international teams unless it is going to be. Congo against Jamaica. Someone, uh, Liam Kirby, <clears throat> mentioned um, Ruth Marquez playing in the World Cup. I was excited to see a player in the sticker book say Leeds United under his name. Instead, they put Hull where he was on loan. <laughs> Distraught, <laughs> I stopped buying stickers that year. That's um, that's terrible. I didn't know about that. Sam Trafford raises uh, Ruth Marquez. Talks about Ruth Marquez going to the African Cup of Nations and returning with catapedophobia. With what, sorry? Catapedophobia. Can we talk about catapedophobia on this podcast? It's not a four-letter word. It's a... It's a multiple letter word. Thanks, Carol. <laughs> Carol did numbers. This is Dictionary Corner. Sorry, it's, uh, Susie. Dic- dictionary Corner was always a little bit foxier for the um, more discerning uh, gentleman. But that's uh, moving into... Giles <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, catapedophobia. Get back on top Catapedophobia, it's... Um, it, it, it's we've, looked, we've Googled it. It's the... I, I, what is this? Because I was out of the studio when you we had the feeling. Please, that, please put my fears at ease. We had the feeling that Sam Trafford might have been trying to pull over the word, pull, pull the woods over <laughs> our eyes and get us to say uh, something inadvertent. Um, but no, catapedophobia, fact fans, is um, an irrational fear of jumping. Which, <laughs> we're talking about how Rui Marquez was when he came back from the African Cup of Nations. Yes, Sam. Yes, you are right. He was never the same. This can only be something happened out there. He got a phobia. It was a catapedophobia. A phobia? A phobia. A phobia. <laughs> God, I said it right like seven times there. And then the one time that I said it wrong, that's what you're going to put in the podcast. Where is Rui Marquez now? Did he ever get another club? I'm not sure he did. He just He's probably at Nairsborough with Seb Carroll and Candle. It seems to they seem to have opened a little sanctuary there. Lee Sharp's gonna turn up there looking for a game soon, isn't he? Fourth and final part of the podcast. Now let's look forward to the stuff that's coming up. Uh, four games in this tranche of matches, Cardiff away, uh, Hull at home midweek, Forest at home, and the blockbuster in the League Cup, Everton at home. It's not quite the blockbuster we're used to, though, is it? Nah. We have Scum, Arsenal, we had Liverpool. This, and now, is a, this is a Category C blockbuster at that. Well, it has to be because we've gone from uh, Champions League to UEFA Cup hopefuls rather than, frankly, I demand a recount. But what, <laughs> will, what, what will probably happen here is rather than us making a really manful effort and making a decent fist of it, like we did against like Liverpool, for example, is mm. we'll just lose to these Get absolutely lot. hammered. Warnock may play what few reserves he has. I've always quite liked Everton as a club. 
I like I I've no grudge against Everton either. They're one of those few teams that I've always had a fair bit of respect for. They they do well. I think part of it was that um, when I started getting into football, I was collecting pro set cards, and I saw that Ian Snodden had played for Leeds, and and also he, was, he had uh, nice hair. Yeah, he had nice hair, and he was r- r- one of the rare ones who was pictured in the away kit on the front of the card. So, like, he stood out a little bit. And I was like, who's this interesting character? Oh, an ex-Leeds player. I bet he was brilliant for Leeds. Hope he's brilliant for Evan. He's perpetually injured, um, and I think ended up retiring. But from that point onwards, and also the fact that they were the first team we played when we went back into the first division, and he had Neville Southall's goalposts, the protest, protest and all that kind of stuff. What a fantastic day that was. So, that, that's one of the days that really sticks in my memory from around that period even be, you know between the the two league title wins was going to Everton and like I remember walking up into the stand thinking wow it's a it's a Premier League ground we're back this is amazing you'd foreseen the advent of the Premier League Sam you're, you're a visionary like Ken Bates I see Bates was complaining that uh, him and Ron Nodes didn't get all the credit for the Premier League just last week because he, he's mental now and he <laughs> and he left your name off that's just how 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 bad his, his mind is wow it's days. a top division ground <laughs> we're back United are back and we won as well yeah Gary Speed scoring yeah and did Chris Fairclough score as well I think he may have done I seem to remember a 4-4 with Everton as well in around the time we were quite good yeah the Michael of, Bridges and we, we all went a bit crackers didn't they I think they? David Weir scored yeah them, I seem to remember on. yeah and was it there was the, there was a 4-4 and was the was that the game where everyone was having a go at Ridsdale at Goodison Park or did we just get beaten straight up 4-0 in that one? Because I remember um, it was around the time of all the things were starting to break down and the staging move was becoming a, a big problem. And, and the Brian Kidd thing. Yes. That rose its head, I think, at Everton. Exactly. And it ended up with um, Peter Ridsdale going out, coming out of the director's box in Goodison Park and going over and trying to placate Leeds fans. If you were an Everton fan... You must. It's like if you invite a married couple around and they have a fucking massive row in your house. It's like, just can't you just have this at home and while you're here, pretend you get along? I'll just be in the ki- kitchen. I'm just going to load the dishwasher. Awkward. Uh, do you want anything? I'll, I will just... Can you put the bins out, darling? Put yeah. the bins out. You're out Get there, the knives out of the way. I don't know what I'm going to do if he hits her. <laughs> anyway, we'll play like Cardiff first anyway, don't we? Yeah. So, <laughs> Before Football. we got all Football. nostalgic. Well, they're barely even. Will David Weir be playing still? He's, <laughs> he's still going, isn't he? I um, I actually saw somebody was nominated. I, I, I saw it as well. No, no, it's a fair point because I saw that as well. Sports Personality of the Year. I saw David Weir, 25 to 1. I thought, how on earth is a 48-year-old centre-back? <laughs> For Rangers. <laughs> but but it, it turns out he is a, a Paralympian who's won some medals, so fair enough. I was initially disgusted with his, his inclusion on the list. I thought it was. You remember that year when Leeds fans, yeah, tried yeah. to get tried to get Jubri to win it. I think I think it was. I thought maybe it was a similar prank by uh, by Rangers fans, but turns out not. But so, anyway, Cardiff, yes, Cardiff. Goodness me. Getting back to the football, they're not even a football club anymore. Now they're a silly project. Yeah, we did mention this last time, didn't we, about the uh, the Red Dragons, Red Birds, yeah. Blue Birds, Purple this, whatever, you know. However, they do always beat us, particularly. Um, no, not, I was going to say particularly at their ground, but no, just always. Well, this is it. I've got time a lot for change. I've got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, what, of kit. I've got a lot of um, time for Cardiff fans who've basically upped and just walked away. Fortunately, when we're losing at Cardiff... All the people in that ground will all be just a sellout, so we've lapped this uh, corporate milk up, and uh, and so I will feel uh, well obliged to uh, to hate all those idiots who can be- somebody set up a separate forum. If you if you think the probates anti-bates thing at Leeds is bad, somebody set up a separate 
forum only for people who were like in favor of the new thing and, and it was basically a load of people going but we've got 500 million quid now so i don't see why everybody's moaning and people were going, well the odd person would come and say well our club actually has uh, quite a, a, a rich heritage, which is perhaps worth more than the money. Yeah, but we got 500 million quid and we're going to win the Premier League. I've agreed they can tattoo my kids' faces. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what What will it take you not to not to sell out? Question here then. Is it time that we broke that hoodoo, Oddie? Yes. It's time we did. We won't. Yeah. I think well, I, I'm in favour of breaking all the hoodoos that are keeping yes. us down. I think this is a game for Luke Varney to shine. He's the only one that's not injured, isn't he? Probably, yeah. He's the only one who's not really playing well because I think I've cursed him because I said I predicted he'd be the top scorer. You idiot. How you picked him as your hate figure? I said, I, well, season, I said a non existent player would be our top scorer, so. That's true. Still time. There is another one. Hamadi Sidibi, our new number nine. Um, on to another club that we uh, have no great love for, or, well, let's put it this way, they don't like us anyway. The fishy mm-hmm. people from Hull are coming midweek. Surprise, isn't it just funny how you get these fixtures every, on a Tuesday every season? It's never a Saturday, is it? It's almost like they're frightened of, of seeing us in daylight. Indeed. Um, so Hull at home, they're not the same force that they were. Because they got a shitter manager. That's, which I never thought you'd uh, say about Nick Barmby, that they'd somehow replaced him with uh, Steve Bruce. And uh, obviously there's the whole nepotism angle. Alex Bruce. Oh God, that idiot's there as well, isn't he? He uh, he was on Twitter today joking about um. Oh, I'm off to see my agents. Wonder if they've got me that move to uh, Real Madrid. And yet again, I was just like, why don't I just click unfollow? Because I hate this man. Um, <laughs> but I still can't bring myself to do it. And I know that tomorrow he'll post something equally stupid and inane, and I'll just be like, ah. But he'll still be there day after day. Oh, yeah, we owe these lot of beating, don't we? Actually, Hull. I know we. I know we did. Beat Alex them. Bruce personally. <laughs> The Bruce family in general, just I know we have been quite, quite heavily in recent times. Four one, wasn't it? Of course. It's time but... for another Snodgrass free kick. Yes. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Ah oh, oh. shit. The beast is good at free kicks. That we've learnt. <laughs> yes. Very similar in Snodgrass. Although it was quite heavily deflected. Forest game. This should be an interesting one. The battle of the two takeovers. Obviously, ours will all be done by then, and we'll be spending <laughs> millions on. Oh no, shit again. Because they've spent a bit of cash. They're two million pound cocks. If ours still hasn't gone through. If I was them, I would hire a fleet of black Bentleys and I would turn up in top hats, tails, monocles, walking sticks, and I would lord it over us. I would be, you know how... Um, That's a normal Friday night for you, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got all the gear. You know that when uh, Nigel Clough turned up with Derby and he did that crap walk yeah, with, his, yeah. with his play? Do that. Just walking the ground dressed in uh, in top hats and tails and putting on putting on toffee accents and just absolutely make us suck it. That still wouldn't be as bar- as embarrassing as last year, though. What mm. happened last year? Okay, you've, have you actually blanked it out? Do you remember ten lot, goal Tuesday? Remember, remember a lot oh, of that. a lot of goals. Michael you, Brown scored, which I think I think triggered was, something in the universe. It, it, it sort of. Made, created some kind of black hole. Yeah. God's my- attention <laughs> was returned to Elland Road. Like, what has mankind become? I must correct this. I've, yeah, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about the football angle. <laughs> well, I suppose it is a test for uh, for Warnock when he said that this kind of thing will never happen again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I suppose when he well, said that, <laughs> he was thinking he might have a midfield. Bear in mind, we'll probably pick up a few injuries, uh, Cardiff and Hull games. Well, uh, that um, Michael Tong... Is not exactly robust. <laughs> Jermaine Genus. Uh, is it Genus or Genus? But um, he uh, injured himself on loan at Aston Villa when he tripped up on the pitch. 
He tripped over a <laughs> yeah. divot and was out for six months. That's not even... Not that was even his first it. full start as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the only basic thing you need to master when you're playing football is to be able to lift yourself off the grass, isn't it, really? Well, I was reading um, um, about Richard Wright, like goalkeeper who got home. There was one area of the pitch that was marked off as like, do not warm up in this area. <laughs> and he went and warmed up in it and he was out for three months. What he, was that? He it? fell in a hole or something. Plutonium or something. <laughs> All right, listen. Let's uh, let's wrap up these matches. So, three league games in this uh, this run: the Cardiff away match, Hull at home, Forest at home. Points Hall. What do you think? What are you happy with out of that? We'll get a draw at Hull at least. So that's one or three. Four would be good. <coughs> I think four would be an acceptable amount from this. Four out of every three games till the end of the season will not see us relegated, <laughs> and that pleases me. What about? Do we want to progress in the League Cup, or is this the I, point I where we go leave with honour? I don't honestly think it's going to be a problem. <laughs> Given that game, he's going to see Tong stroke Brown up against Fellaini. <laughs> Sounds a bit rude. It's a, a salad tossing joke. All right. So you don't think we're going to uh, going to make it through in that one then? No. No. Unless David Weir plays. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on now then to the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite Award. Um, this is somebody who has contributed to the ongoing misery uh, of us. And we would like to, I think... Perhaps- well, first we nominate Ken Bates. Yeah, of course. For... Um, Still not signing, should we go for that? Does this? We're hearing more and more about him phoning up fans as well, which seems to be becoming... Like he's been, he's been bored stringing along these uh, Arabian millionaires. No, I think, oh, just get the Leeds phone book out again and make a few crank calls. I wish, I hope he's, I, in fact, I'd never thought of this angle. Do you think Ken Bates might be recording all these phone calls and then after his death, like his family will have the rights to the audio so they can release CD after CD or like Ken Bates' funny phone calls. I'd, Dennis Norden, it'll be all right on the night style thing. I'd yeah, buy those. I would buy a box set of Ken Bates' phones to fans. <laughs> But I think on a more serious note, in light of uh, what has been revealed today uh, by the Hillsborough panel, it would probably be only appropriate to nominate... There's quite a few people yeah, there, isn't Yeah, a lot of people. Because as football fans, I think, because we were on those terraces, those same terraces only two years before, that you realise just how close we perhaps came to a similar situation because it happened to us, didn't it, at Middlesbrough later on in the year 1989 when we played up there and there were far too many people in the corner terrace and I was there and as an 11-year-old, I was shitting my pants. It was horrible watching people being dragged over the spikes and again, same problem, police not letting you out of the pens. So in light of uh, what's come to light today with the Hillsborough panel, we should probably nominate a whole raft of people and organisations for this award. South Yorkshire Police? Yep. Who it seems um, that's where you can trace it all back to because... When you talk about it, it nearly happened to Leeds at Hillsborough two years before and it nearly happened to Leeds in Middlesbrough and it was nearly happening all over the country and one of the things that was stopping it from happening was decent police work, was people pointing the finger at Liverpool fans saying, oh, they turned up ticklers and they turned up drunk. Ticklers fans turned up drunk at stadiums up and down the country every weekend, multiple occasions at multiple grounds. And nobody died. And nobody died because it was effectively managed and it was effectively policed to at least a certain degree. It wasn't that day because of South Yorkshire police failing to do their job and then and then all they've done in the 23 years since is cover it up, which we found out today. So, well, not found out today, but had um, confirmed in explicit, excruciating, damning I detail. Mean, I, saw, I saw the uh, the conference today on the news, the news conference. I, 
as I tweeted today, I found it absolutely heartbreaking to think these are just football fans. Um, and I know it's very easy to start for people to start bandying around terms like victims when you consider uh, Liverpool as a city and as fans. And actually, when you sit and think about it, that we were on that same you know, same stand two years before and what happened only two years later under the, exactly the same circumstances, it's frightening. Mm. And you cannot blame them for seeking justice when so many people lost their lives. I like, think what's come out today as well, that people are talking about new evidence. It's, it's shocking to think this isn't new evidence. This is stuff that's been sat in cupboards for years while the families have been have been searching for the truth. And for years they've just been saying, nope, can't yeah. have it. Well, the, and also the um, 3.15 cut-off point as well. Which yeah, it was comes like to say There could have been, was it 40 odd people? 41 yeah. could, could have been saved. Could have potentially survived, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just... That's mental. And when you, the, the um, one thing that I picked out, well, a journalist picked it out and I saw it today that the... Uh, one of the examples of a of a police statement being changed was a police officer who had said, "Office Chief Inspector so and so and so and so were on the pitch and they didn't have the backup they needed. They didn't have a plan. They didn't know what was going on. It was total the case. And there's line after line saying that things were going wrong and things were being done wrong. And in the version of it that was submitted, it said these two chief inspectors were on the pitch. Full stop. The rest of it went no further. Crossed out. Thrown in a cupboard." and deliberately, deliberately done to disguise the fact that it was these people's fault. In the systematic way is that they clearly then tried to shift the blame as well, the, the testing of even even dead children to see if they had alcohol in their blood and things like that, to see, to try and discredit people, looking people up on police their police records to see if they'd done anything previously which could be used against them. What can we get on these dead people to make them look bad? <clears throat> Which is fueled again by the media, mainly the Sun. Well, yeah, um, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah, to mention the, story the fact that's that it was out. four or five senior police officers who started feeding this story out to news agencies and several yeah. uh, newspapers ran it. But of course, you can look no further than Kelvin McKenzie and the Sun for what they put on the front page of their paper, which it's just despicable, isn't it? Really despicable stuff. So yes, his apology. Uh, not really interested. Not twenty three years later. No. No, and not especially with his comments in the meantime when he. Um, he's effectively said that he would never apologise because he's never say done anything wrong, and he can't. No, he can't have been that definite about what he. But when people pursued it for twenty three years, and the, at the very last minute to actually go, oh yeah, you know what? Oh yeah. Now you mention it. Now you put it like in three hundred and sixty pages of evidence. I never thought any of that might have any had any truth in it. So he could have a nomination anyway yes. for that. We haven't mentioned Margaret Thatcher or her government yet, who were told that the um, the police. Uh, reports were borderline, I think the phrase is borderline deceitful as usual, but decided not to press that any further. They wouldn't They wouldn't look into it, even though they were being told that this lot were lying. Yeah, we'll just, as usual, oh, lying as usual. Well, as long as it's the usual lying that we get from so, South Only, only 96 people have died. We don't, don't need to don't worry about it. it. Yeah, carry on as we were. Let's explain them. Which then turned into the ID cards for football fans. Yeah, um, a certain uh, chairman of Chelsea proposed electrifying the fences because that yeah. would be a, a, a proportionate solution to what was going on. It's just a, a dark era. Imagine the cost for that when he moans <laughs> about pipe work. At yeah, the, <laughs> the bill on an electric <laughs> fence around a football stadium. I've got power bills to pay. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we're still saddled with that bastard. Most of the people from that era are, apart from, I suppose, Moynihan. Lord Moynihan, uh, as he is now, is um, is still around and... Yes, so these people are still about and still need to be... Uh, Accountable. Yeah, they need to to be answering the questions they should have been answering 23 years ago when, when before they tried to bury all this stuff and failed. 
But let's hope they get brought to justice. And in the meantime, they can have Ken Bates villain of the fortnight. yeah, you, you, they can all have it. Um, and of course, we'll leave Ken out because Ken can't win it. Um, right, magazine plug uh, issue two is going to be out for the Forest match. Uh, subscriptions available online at thesquareball.net. It's shaping up good. It's going to be a good one. It, Mark Jackson and Twin Peaks. I've still not read John Howell's contribution. Shouldn't Mark Jackson? Shouldn't you have said legend after it? <laughs> The, the legendary number, the best player to wear the number 29 shirt at Leeds. <laughs> uh, so full, yeah, we'll get, we'll get full details of that in the run-up to the release of the magazine on the website. And don't forget, yes, yes, your subscriptions, get them. The squareball.net is where you can find those. Uh, UK, 25 quid. Europe, 33 pounds. Rest of the world, 40. Digital, They're, digital. Yeah. Tenor. Cheap, cheap and legendary. <laughs> we will return in a fortnight then with another podcast for you. In the meantime, do get in touch. Podcast at the squareball.net. You can tweet us at the square ball or get hold of us on Facebook as well. So goodbye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. And we will speak to you again in a fortnight. Take care. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.